The Old Testament reading, which serves as the text for our sermon this morning, for this, the second Sunday in Advent, comes from the prophet Isaiah, the 40th chapter. Comfort, comfort my people, says your God. Speak tenderly to Jerusalem, and cry to her that her warfare is ended, that her iniquity is pardoned, that she has received from the Lord's hand double for all her sins. A voice cries, In the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord. Make straight in the desert a highway for our God. Every valley shall be lifted up, and every mountain and hill be made low. The uneven ground shall become level, and the rough places a plain. And the glory of the Lord shall be revealed, and all flesh shall see it together, for the mouth of the Lord has spoken. A voice says, Cry. And I said, What shall I cry? All flesh is grass, and all its beauty is like the flower of the field. The grass withers, the flower fades, when the breath of the Lord blows on it. Surely the people are grass. The grass withers, the flower fades, but the word of our God will stand forever. Get you up to a high mountain, O Zion, herald of good news. Lift up your voice with strength, O Jerusalem, herald of good news. Lift it up, fear not. Say to the cities of Judah, Behold your God. Behold, the Lord God comes with might, and his arm rules for him. Behold, his reward is with him, and his recompense before him. He will tend his flock like a shepherd. He will gather the lambs in his arms. He will carry them in his bosom, and gently lead those that are with young. This is the word of the Lord. Rejoice greatly, O daughter of Zion. Behold, your king is coming to you. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. The epistle reading comes from the second letter of St. Peter, the third chapter. But do not overlook this one fact, beloved. That with the Lord, one day is as a thousand years, and a thousand years as one day. The Lord is not slow to fulfill his promise, as some count slowness, but is patient toward you, not wishing that any should perish, but that all should reach repentance. But the day of the Lord will come like a thief, and then the heavens will pass away with a roar, and the heavenly bodies will be burned up and dissolved, and the earth and the works that are done on it will be exposed. Since all these things are thus to be dissolved, what sort of people ought you to be in lives of holiness and godliness, waiting for and hastening the coming of the day of God, because of which the heavens will be set on fire and dissolved, and the heavenly bodies will melt as they burn? But according to his promise, we are waiting for new heavens and a new earth in which righteousness dwells. Therefore, beloved, since you are waiting for these, be diligent. To be found by him without spot or blemish and at peace. This is the word of the Lord. Rise for the reading of the gospel. The Holy Gospel comes to us according to St. Mark, the first chapter. The beginning of the gospel of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. As it is written in Isaiah the prophet, Behold, I send my messenger before your face, who will prepare your way. The voice of one crying in the wilderness, Prepare the way of the Lord, 
make his paths straight. John appeared, baptizing in the wilderness and proclaiming a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. And all the country of Judea and all Jerusalem were going out to him and were being baptized by him in the river Jordan, confessing their sins. Now John was clothed with camel's hair and wore a leather belt around his waist and ate locusts and wild honey. And he preached, saying, After me comes he who is mightier than I, the strap of whose sandals I am not worthy to stoop down and untie. I have baptized you with water, but he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. And this is the gospel of our Lord. Grace, mercy, and peace to you from God our Father, and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Ask the average person on the street what Advent is, and they'll tell you it's headache medicine. Because the world has pretty much forgotten about Advent. For most people, we are in the Christmas season, or the more politically correct holiday. People think the 12 days of Christmas are the days of sales counting down to Christmas from December 13th, but they're not. They're the 12 days after Christmas, the season of Christmas that culminates in Epiphany. And so if the world is confused about what Christmas season is, it's little wonder that they have completely forgotten about Advent. So let's just forget about their answer. Lutherans still know what Advent is, right? So let's ask them. And if you ask the average Lutheran to explain Advent in one word, that word would probably be waiting. We are waiting for Christmas. We are waiting to burst forth in joy. We are holding back our celebrations and our cries of Alleluia until Christmas Day, waiting for the birth of Jesus Christ. And that's not entirely wrong, but it's not entirely right either. Advent is certainly a season of waiting, but not just to celebrate Christmas. Advent also draws our hearts to when Jesus Christ comes again on the last day. It's not just about waiting for his arrival at Christmas, it's also about waiting for his final arrival when he comes to carry us to our heavenly home. But it's not just about waiting, either. Waiting kind of implies you're not doing anything. Waiting for the bus, you're just killing time on your phone. Waiting for a movie to start, you're just sitting there reading the screen trivia. Waiting for a table at Applebee's means you're milling around outside, hoping the magic flashing coaster buzzes soon. Waiting is kind of passive, kind of non-involved. You're not really doing anything related to the thing you're waiting for. You're just waiting. And that's not Advent. Advent is not a season of sitting around doing nothing until Christmas finally gets here. Yes, we are awaiting Christmas and Jesus' second coming, but we're doing more than just waiting. We're preparing. And there's a big difference between those two. Waiting for company to arrive means you're just chilling on the couch and halfway listening for the doorbell. Preparing for company means that you're cleaning and getting things ready. Waiting for supper means it's just a matter of time before it gets onto your plate. Preparing for supper means you need to get those plates out and set the table. 
waiting for Christmas means you're just kind of coasting through life, hearing some readings and hymns to get you in the Christmas mood, counting down the days until something important finally gets here. Preparing for Christmas, in worldly terms, means putting up the decorations, getting the snacks made, wrapping gifts, actively getting ready for Christmas celebrations. But of course, here in the church, that's not the kind of preparing that Advent is about. Advent is about spiritually preparing for Jesus' arrival. Spiritually preparing to celebrate the birth of Jesus Christ and spiritually preparing for when he comes again to judge the living and the dead. All throughout Advent, in fact, throughout our entire Christian life, we are not just waiting, we are preparing. And preparing means making some changes, some big changes, because on our own, we are totally not prepared. What will Jesus find in your heart when he returns? Will Jesus come and find anger and vengeance against your enemies as you stand there and gloat, hoping that they are condemned when he returns? Will he find a love of the world and its wicked ways, a joy and almost a sorrow when the world comes to an end because you won't get to do those awful things anymore? Will Jesus find in your heart a disregard of God's word, a desire to follow the world instead, as you say, you know what, the world's kind of got it right, and it's a lot easier and a whole lot more fun, so God, I really don't need you right now, but I'll pick you up when we get to heaven. Will Jesus find greed, grudges, gossip, lust, complacency, heresy? What will the Lord find in your heart when he returns? These are all the things that fill our hearts naturally, things that happen automatically. As we confess all the time, we are by nature sinful and unclean, meaning our nature wants nothing to do with God. It wants to do the easy thing, the wrong thing, the thing that is instantly gratifying. And if we allow that to reign in our hearts, we will be sorely disappointed when Jesus returns. But that's what happens. That's what's there all the time, because we are sinners. And so Advent is a reminder that the time we spend waiting, it's not just to stay the way that we are. The changes in our service, they remind us of the changes that we should be making in our lives. Isaiah did not proclaim, wait until the Lord gets here. Rather, he said, prepare the way of the Lord. John the Baptist's message was not, Jesus is coming, but hey, don't worry about it. Carry on as you were. It's all good. No. He boldly proclaimed that our sinful hearts needed to be prepared and changed. Our mountains of pride needed to be laid low. Our valleys of depravity needed to be raised up. There's a very common message that we hear from so many churches today that Jesus accepts you the way that you are. And there is some truth to that. No matter how deep your sin, come to the Lord Jesus and he receives you. He forgives you. But he doesn't leave you where you are. He doesn't leave you in that pit of sin and say, you know what, it's probably okay. You just go on living your filth and wretchedness because that's probably better than what I had planned anyway. Every day of our lives, 
until Jesus' return is a day of Advent. Not just waiting for Jesus, but a day of active preparation to receive our Lord. We should be in his holy word that changes us, that molds us, that convicts us of our sin and makes us new people. We should be receiving his sacraments by which we are strengthened and renewed in the one true Christian faith, prepared to go out to war against the world that wants to destroy us in so many ways. We need to let God's word change our lives, plow out all the ruts of sin and shame that we have grown so very comfortable with. Just because your neighbor is more of a drunkard than you doesn't mean you're not sinning. Just because everyone else is having sex outside of marriage doesn't mean it's no longer a sin. Just because the world approves and promotes all manner of greed and lust and debauchery and filth doesn't mean that God has changed his mind. This is not a democracy. God's word endures forever. And no matter how loud we might be about it, no matter how many people say it doesn't matter, the word of the Lord alone endures The world will come to an end and all of its wicked ways with it. But God's word endures forever. The grass withers. The the culture's morals fade. But the word of of our Lord stands forever. Therefore, beloved, Peter says, be diligent to be found by him without spot or blemish and at peace. We need to hear that infallible, eternal word and honestly evaluate our lives and our choices and then genuinely repent of our wretched sin and beg God for mercy instead of pretending that everything we do is A-OK. We need to be prepared by the Lord. We need to wake up from our spiritual slumber and prepare our hearts and our lives Not just being Christian in name only, but actually letting our faith change us and affect the plans and the choices that we make. We need to stand before God, not in pride and arrogance, assuming that we're really good people, so God just has to love us. But in humble contrition, we stand before the Lord's throne, realizing that our sin is deserving of eternal condemnation in hell. We need to acknowledge our sin, not just by speaking the words of confession each week on autopilot, but truly knowing and understanding God's word, recognizing how pitifully short of its perfection we fall day after day after day, no matter how hard we try. We need to stand in respect and awe before the one true and triune God, creator and ruler of all things, rend our sinful hearts, repent of our wicked ways, and seek his will instead of ours. This is how we prepare for the Lord's arrival. And when we do, we know that he himself will properly prepare us for his triumphant return. It might hurt, It might involve some serious changes in our lives, and we are not going to be able to do it perfectly. But the sins that we've grown comfortable with, 
The sins that we've let define us. The sins that we assume are fine because everyone else is doing it. We need to let God's word convict us of that sin and drive out our desire to cling to them any longer. And that's not easy. We might lose friends as we turn away from the sinful desires that others engage in for fun. We might lose popularity as we take a dissenting stance against the tide of filth and wretchedness that our culture is content to drown in. We might lose money as we recognize that just because living together or cheating on our taxes or refusing to help those who are in need might be financially advantageous, it is sinful and wrong and forbidden by God. We might lose this and so much more, and yet we have truly lost nothing at all, as we will gain the eternal paradise of heaven, not by what we do, but by what God has done for us and to us and in spite of us. Because in the end, it is his preparation, not ours, that truly makes us ready. It is his work, not ours, that makes us worthy to enter into his perfect kingdom of heaven. We need to change our sinful ways and prepare our hearts for Jesus' return. But no matter how many changes we make, we can't do it well enough to deserve heaven. And so as we repent of our sins, we rejoice that in his mercy, Jesus Christ has made the most astounding preparations for us. He hasn't just prepared heaven as a glorious place and then said, now you figure out how to get here. No. He didn't sit from afar and coach us and say, now if you do this better, you've got a shot of getting in. He was willing to come to us while we were dead in our sin, while we had nothing at all to offer him in return, while we despised and hated and rejected his grace. He chose to sacrifice his holy life to cleanse us of our sin, to spare us from the eternal hell that we deserve, to rescue us from the fiery claws of Satan so that we would not have to suffer forever as we deserved. He rose again from the grave to give us not just a hope or a chance, but the guarantee of everlasting life that all those who look to him in faith are joined with him in his death to sin and his resurrection to eternal life. And we know that we will rise again because he himself has made it so. His patient grace gives us ample opportunity to hear his word, to turn away from our wicked ways, to repent of our sin, and to receive his free gift of salvation to gather together in his holy presence and hear his word of forgiveness and life, to receive his sacraments, to receive all the many eternal gifts that he pours out so freely when we deserve none of them. And so this Advent season, don't just wait for Christmas. Prepare. Prepare your heart and your mind to welcome your Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Prepare your life as you hear God's word and truly let it change you and mold you. And not just during Advent. All throughout your earthly life, prepare the way of the Lord. Make straight in the desert a highway for our God. Gladly hear the precious word of God instead of the lies of the world. When you let God's perfect and eternal word shape you, 
Then every valley shall be lifted up, and every mountain and hill be made low. The uneven ground shall become level, and the rough places a plain. Don't just wait for Jesus' return. Prepare and rejoice in the ways that God prepares you. Rejoice and take part in his precious word and sacraments that he so freely and graciously gives to each of us. Rejoice that his ways are so much better than anything this world can offer. Rejoice in God's word, even in his law, even when it convicts you of your sin and shows you that you need to repent and change. But above all else, rejoice in his precious gospel, by which we are truly prepared for his glorious return. Rejoice that by the cross of Jesus Christ alone, by his empty tomb alone, you are forgiven of every one of your sins, and eternal life in heaven is yours. Thanks be to God. Amen.